Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Saints win but lose at the same time. New Orleans wraps up the preseason on Friday inside the Caesars Superdome. They get the dub, avoid going winless in the preseason. But along the way, their first-round draft pick, Trevor Penning, suffers what some believe to be at first a turf toe injury. Come to find out it's more like torn ligaments, more than likely going to miss the majority of the season. Where does the team go from here? Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. We have a tremendous show lined up for you today. College football kicked off over the weekend, but the real kickoff for college football is this coming weekend. As McNeese... UL and LSU all open up the season. High school football opens up this coming Friday as well. Thursday and Friday throughout the state of Louisiana. So we got plenty to get to. Three guests today. Jeff Palermo will join us at 7.30. Talking all things LSU with the co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. When are we going to find out who's the starting quarterback? Sure does feel like they're going to be playing both. Sure does feel like there's going to be a two-quarterback system. Then it's straight up 8 o'clock. Chris Vanini, our friend from The Athletic, college football writer. He'll give us his thoughts on opening weekend, including is Scott Frost going to keep his job at Nebraska? Probably not. And then look ahead to the marquee matchups for week one for college football. And then at 8.30, Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles will join us for the Big Easy Blitz. No games this week. Preseason was reduced by a week, but roster cuts are coming. 53-man roster has to be solidified this week. And where do the Saints go from here? So those are our three guests lined up for today's show. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. Game hotlines open as always, 337 307-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to start with the Saints. Trevor Pinning started to turn a corner. He was going to be a guy that was going to have to be developed to begin with. A natural type of mauler. Struggled with pass protection. In the first preseason game, got better against Green Bay. And Friday night was supposed to be kind of like the last tune-up. He was getting more reps in practice, and that seemed to help him quickly with his development because James Hurst was out 
with a minor injury. So it was great experience, great reps for the first-round pick out of Northern Iowa that the Saints selected with their second first-round pick in Springs draft. But then he got injured. And at first, people thought, okay, well, maybe it's just turf toe. That was the initial reports was maybe it's just turf toe. A severe case of turf toe, but turf toe, and it's going to keep him out for a little while. And you're like, okay, that sucks, but he'll be back. But he's out and definitely... At first, out indefinitely with a turf toe injury. Remember, they had to cart him off the field Friday night. That said, he's more likely out indefinitely now. More than just a turf toe injury, as we come to find out, multiple reports coming out that he tore ligaments and what's going to be happen now where do they go from here he's going to have to require surgery tore the ligament in his foot it will need surgery sources say following the MRI that was done yesterday he's out indefinitely he's going to miss some time there's no telling how much time he's going to miss more than likely If I'm a Saints fan, you're going to have to view this as like a redshirt season. Now, he could come back earlier, but we're talking about a ligament in your foot when you're a lineman. (laughs) Not optimal. So what what do the Saints do now? Because Penning was lined up to be their number six lineman, right? He was battling James Hurst, the veteran to be the left tackle. If he wasn't going to win the job, and most of us thought he wasn't, but he was going to get valuable experience as the sixth offensive lineman, a guy that can line up at left or right or maybe play a little guard depending on injuries. Hurst is supposed to be back for the opener against Atlanta. So the week off this week is going to be critical for the Saints. Hurst at left tackle, Pete at left guard, McCoy at center, Ruiz, who had a good camp and had a good preseason at right guard, and Ramchek at right tackle. So you're still set with your five starters. They really like Young, the second-year player out of Kentucky, but he's been banged up as well. We know they like Throckmorton. He played well in spot duty last year. But that's it. They lack depth across the offensive line. They liked it even before Trevor Penning got injured. So now he's gone. He's not going to be a factor. And the guy that you drafted to be your franchise left tackle to be the next Teron Armstead may not play at all this year. And he can't even be there to help with your depth. So that's a big concern now for the Saints. Should they do something about it? That's the big question. Should the Saints go and do something about it? 
because here's the problem for New Orleans when it comes to adding O-line depth. This is why they drafted Trevor Penning in the first round of the draft. Some people said, well, maybe they drafted him a little too high. There's not a lot of available, reliable offensive linemen out there. There's no guys just sitting out there waiting to get a job that are talented. The market was kind of bare bones to begin with. So what do the Saints do? You're going to have to add depth across the line. You can't have a situation like you did last year when Pete got injured and Ramchat got injured and things went sideways for the offensive line because that's what happened last year. Once again, Hurst should be good. Should be good for the opener. But if I'm the Saints this week, do I make a move knowing that my first-round draft pick is out for the remainder, more than likely, at least a few months? He may come back towards the end of the season, but you never do know. Once again, Trevor Penning tore ligament in his foot. This was in Friday night's preseason game, 27-10 win over the Los Angeles Chargers there inside the Superdome. The game itself, look, it's the third preseason game. You're not going to see a lot of starters out there. Los Angeles, for example, did not play their starter on offense, there was a lot of Chase Daniel. That's right, Chase is still in the league. He's back up for the Chargers, former New Orleans Saints, back up and a master of getting paid a lot of money to hold a clipboard. Andy Dalton was sharp, 5 of 5 for 73 yards. Jameis Winston, 4 for 4 for 59 yards. QB1, QB2, they're good to go. They're ready to roll for the season. Ian Book. 11 to 15 for 81. He looked pretty good out there against the third team. No picks, did have a touchdown. He also led the team in rushing. Seven carries for 50 yards. Abram Smith had 13 carries for 35 yards. The rookie out of Baylor, the undrafted rookie out of Baylor. The Saints cut him yesterday. That does not mean that he won't be part of the Saints. The Saints routinely like to perform their cuts early. That way, when they make the 53-man roster, they can immediately go ahead and put together their practice squad. So I would expect Abram Smith to land on the practice squad for the New Orleans Saints. Marquez Callaway, four catches for 65 yards. Did he do enough to earn a spot on the 53-man roster? I think so. You saw a little bit of Chris Olave, a little bit of Jarvis Landry, just minimal. Alvin Kamara, Deshaun Dixon, they played just a little bit in the final tune-up for the New Orleans Saints. But once again, the big story coming out of that, despite the quarterbacks looking fairly sharp and everyone coming out fairly unscathed was the fact that Trevor Penning, the first-round pick, of the New Orleans Saints, initially thought to be turf toe, ends up being a torn ligament in his foot. He's going to be out a considerable amount of time this season. 
So what do the Saints do with their depth? That's our poll question of the day. With Penning's injury, should the Saints trade or sign another offensive lineman, yes or no? Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update our poll question throughout today's show. Just make sure those comments are, you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, oh man, so much happened over the weekend. PGA Tour Championship, NASCAR running a boat race essentially with all the water on the track. And of course, the Astros avoiding the dreaded sweep. We'll get to it all next. The weekend that was right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains. Serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed. Thank you, you've been heavy. Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company. Houston Astros avoid the sweep yesterday. 3-1 win over the Baltimore Orioles. We talked about this being a dangerous series for the Astros. We did. Orioles are fighting to get into the American League playoffs. We have roughly a month left to go of the regular season. And they've been playing great baseball the last few months. They've been doing whatever they can to make things interesting. And they're trying to catch the Blue Jays and the Mariners in particular in the American League wildcard race. Orioles come to town, take the first two games. Strohs, though, were able to salvage the series and avoided being swept, the dreaded sweep. 3-1 victory as the Strohs hold on for their victory. They're 82nd of the season. Well, that's great news, right? It's amazing news for the sweep. But the problem is that the frontrunner for the American League Cy Young Award, Justin Verlander, pitched three scoreless innings before departing because of right calf discomfort. Uh Uh-oh. Dusty Baker ended up using five different relievers to be able to close out the 3-1 victory. Alex Bregman continues to be on his late-season tears. He's returned back to his 2019 form. He homered. Yuli Gurriel had a two-run single. Maybe Yuli starting to finally turn a page. The Strohs, after winning four in the row, dropped the first two of this series. They come up with a 3-1 victory, but now... Verlander is going to be possibly out for a while. He's going in for imaging on Monday. That's what Dusty Baker said yesterday. Adding that he felt when he went to cover first base during a rundown on a double play, that in on the top of the third that he strained something. Remember, Verlander had Tommy John surgery in 2020 and missed all of that season. Baker said afterwards, quote, it was his calf, and that's the best of bad news. We're glad it wasn't anything to do with his elbow or arm or anything like that, so we'll just have to wait until he has the imaging tomorrow. Verlander, the 39-year-old, had allowed only three hits, struck out six, and walked one before having to leave the game. So, hopefully, the Strohs, avoid a catastrophe 
because they can't win a World Series. They can't even make a World Series without Justin Verlander. I know they did last year, but the way this team is anchored this year, they need them. They need them. Astros are now 14-11 and 11 in August. They're barely 500 in the month of August. And the 11 losses are the most in any calendar month this season. And while Bregman has returned to form, and Yuli has even started hitting better, Jordan Alvarez continues his late season slump. He went from hitting 418 in June to hitting 286 in July, 230 in August. Ever since he had the wrist problem, he has not been the same player. Do they need to shut Jordan down a little bit to let him rest? Because early in the season, he was right there with Aaron Judge as an MVP candidate. He has cooled off considerably. Considerably. In June, 418, nine home runs, 28 RBIs. July, he only hit 286 with seven home runs, 14 RBIs. And in August, batting 230 with one home run and nine RBIs. That's a guy struggling. That's a guy that is struggling. Stroh's can't wait for August to be over. It'll be over in a couple of days, but the month of August has not been kind to the Houston Astros. Despite Jordan Alvarez going into a slump, Houston still finds itself 11 and a half games up in the American League West standings as they're 82 and 47. Seattle, though, 70 and 58. And when you go look at the overall standings now on this Monday morning, in particular in the American League, Baltimore has put itself in a great position. You could argue they've played the best baseball of anyone in the last two months. Orioles are unable to get the sweep at the Astros, but they do take two or three from one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. In your updated wildcard standings, it's still Tampa Bay atop. Seattle is only a half game behind them now for the top spot in the wild card. Then it's the Blue Jays at 68 and 58, and then Baltimore's right there at 67 and 60. Jays, Orioles are going to be battling out for that final wild card spot. But Astros are going to be holding their breath, hoping that the news today from the imaging that Justin Verlander is going to have to do is not going to be terrible news. That it's not going to be the worst case scenario. And look, if he has to miss a little time with the calf, you still got Framer Valdez. You have a very deep rotation. Maybe letting Justin have a few weeks off is not necessarily a bad thing, especially for a 39-year-old pitcher who had Tommy John in 2020. Maybe giving him a little bit of a rest is not a bad idea. But we'll see. Over the weekend, while the Strohs avoided being swept 
Rory McIlroy had himself a heck of a weekend. The summer of Rory, some have called it, became the face of the PGA Tour as the Live Tour started siphoning off talented players or older, formerly talented golfers. Rory came out front, embraced the PGA Tour, embraced being the face of the tour. He is the guy. There's been debate before whether or not he's the guy. There's unquestioned he is the guy. Now, make no bones about it. He's been out front. He's been the tour supporter. Him and Tiger Woods have come up with this new thing. What's going to enhance the PGA Tour is going to give more money to golfers and more trendy, fun things to do in the world of golf. Oh, and yesterday he rallied to win the tour championship in Atlanta to claim his third FedEx Cup championship of his career. He overcame Scotty Scheffler, who had a tremendous season. But Scheffler did not have a tremendous final day at the tour championship as he only had one birdie on the final round. Rory began the day six shots behind when it started, 10 shots after two holes. So it quickly went from six to 10. Yet he overcame a six-shot deficit in the final round against the number one player in the world and closed with a four under 66 to become the first three-time winner of the FedEx Cup championship. Of course, this came at the expense of Masters champion Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world who birdied four of six holes Sunday morning to finish the storm-delayed third round at 66. And he built up his six-shot lead. But having to come out and finish the third round meant that he was going to be on the golf course far longer than normal. No one thought they had a chance. But Scheffler never regained his groove, missing fairways and greens and par putts. He only made one birdie in the closing round of 73 and tied the PGA Tour record for losing a six-shot lead in the final round. McElroy is your champion. And this is the, the best thing for the PGA Tour. This is not a knock against Scotty, who I love. But Rory became the face of the PGA Tour. He, came, he was the guy that reporters was asked, and he didn't shy away from asking questions, answering questions, rather, about the Live Tour, about the benefits of staying on the PGA Tour, and he won tournaments. He hasn't won a major in eight years. He wins a lot of other tournaments, but he does finish strong in all the tournaments. He's done so throughout this season. Played well in most of the majors, finishing in the top five, finishing in the top ten. Didn't win a major, but does enough to win the FedEx Cup. And that's a good thing if you're the PGA Tour. The guy that's become the face of your organization is the one that wins it. And that can carry into the offseason. Now, you really want him to win a major. Also, over the weekend, NASCAR was running at Daytona, which is always a big deal. 
The only problem for that is that, well, rain came, and then rain came, and rain came. It, it, it looked like you could drive a boat on the infield there at Daytona <laughs> over the weekend. Like, it was ridiculous how bad it looked. The race was postponed until yesterday. They were able to finish it. My question is, and we have our friend Toby Christie on all the time, and we'll try to have him on again as the playoffs start to ramp up here. Did you even know that there was a Daytona race this weekend? Did you even know? 10, 15 years ago, when NASCAR really was taking over the pop culture and the sports culture, everyone knew about NASCAR. Everyone knew what was going on. Did anyone know that there was a race at Daytona this weekend? NASCAR has lost its foothold in sports, and it's been trending that way for about four years. They have young, dynamic drivers with Elliott and Dylan and Bubba Wallace and others. They got the new car, the car of the future. There should be eyeballs on NASCAR. There isn't. There just isn't. It's kind of crazy to me. Austin Dillon, though, wins the race, punches his ticket to the playoffs. Talking about one of those young drivers. He wins at the rain-delayed race there at Daytona and gets into the postseason. So congratulations to Austin Dillon for doing that. But if I'm NASCAR on a weekend where you still didn't have competition from the NFL, you still only had preseason, college football was giving you Hawaii versus Vanderbilt. Didn't hear anything about it. That's a little concerning. A little concerning. Cup playoffs begin this coming weekend, Labor Day weekend, when NASCAR heads to Darlington Raceway for the first leg of the Cup playoffs. We'll have to keep an eye on that and have our guy Toby Christie back onto the show. That's going to do it for the weekend that was, but before we hit our timeout, just a reminder. Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 
and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles reminds you, call 811 and know it's below before you dig. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, LSU football camp is being ramped up. They're preparing for Florida State now. We'll hear from some of the players. That's next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the LSU Tigers are going to be opening up the season Sunday night. That's right, Sunday night against Florida State inside the Caesars Superdome. They're the big primetime game on opening weekend of college football. Yours truly will be there to report on it for you, not to worry. Tigers, though, still haven't named a starting quarterback. We'll wonder if that actually happens. Maybe it happens today during the Brian Kelly press conference, which, of course, you can listen to live right here on the game starting at 1210. That'll be every Monday. We'll interrupt Jim Rome for the Brian Kelly press conference. Find out. We'll find out about quarterback. We'll find out about the depth at running back and everything like that. And we'll find out about offensive line. But defense is also a big question mark, isn't it? Lots of new faces on that side of the football. Defense is being kind of redone, if you will. And LSU's been known for its defense for, what, the last 20 years? I mean, you take away the 2019 National Championship season, even then they had impacted, impactful, rather, NFL, future NFL talent. It took a while for the defense to kind of get into form with the record-setting offense going up and down the field scoring touchdowns in the matter of, you know, 45 seconds. But defense is interesting to me. And Sage Ryan, the former Lafayette Christian Academy star who got to see some playing time last year, he was the LSWA's Mr. Football his senior year in high school right down the road from us here inside the game studios. He's expected to play a big role this season. And this young defense, he's going to be part of it. And he was asked, just how great can this defense be and how are they trending? They're doing great. Way better than I was doing when I was that that, that age. Uh, they're definitely picking it up like fast. Uh, they're doing a great job, those young guys and they're, they're going to be great. They're going to be great young players for us this year. How funny is it that the guy who is essentially a redshirt freshman is talking about young guys? He's one of the young guys. <laughs> but there's, so, there's such a lack of experience on the roster for LSU that Sage Ryan is an elder statesman. He's a redshirt freshman. 
because there's no one else around. All right, Sage, you got some playing time last year? Great. Yeah, you were banged up a little bit. You barely played at all. Oh, oh, you're a veteran now. There is a guy that is a very major Burns is one of those guys that is going to be counted on to kind of lead the back end of the defense. And Sage talked about what major brings to the table. Yes, sir. He's definitely commander of the secondary. Uh, he's the vocal leader. Uh, we just we, we play off of him. His energy, his effort, his communication is just great. You need at least one of those guys for the secondary. You like to have more than one, but if, as long as you have one guy that can kind of show the young bucks, hey, this is what's happening. When something goes wrong in a game, you want to have one of the veteran players be able to pull the young guy over and say, hey, this is what you did. This is how you screwed up. Coaches will do that, but you need somebody on the field to do that. That's the bigger part. You need somebody on the field to reinforce what the coach is saying. That's the role that, you know, Major Burns is definitely going to be playing for this team. Safety, they've been working hard at it with the new coaching staff. And and Sage talked about what have they been doing to get better together as a group. Uh, we're actually working together real well. We're communicating back there in the secondary, which is really important. We're getting we're really getting better like as a whole, as a whole secondary each and every day. Uh, and it's just great working with those guys. You know, Sage, five-star prospect, one of the best and most electric high school players, not only in the area, but in the state. He was a five-star prospect. Could have went anywhere in the country. He decided to stay at home, go to LSU, which was a huge get for them. And it's part of that 337, that 337 feel that LSU has. I mean, in addition to Sage Ryan, there's Walker Howard, there's Jack Besh, there's Malik Neighbors, there's Kayshawn Butte. There's Fitzgerald West now. There's a lot of Acadiana flavor, so to speak, on the roster. But Sage may have been the biggest of all of them, a five-star prospect that was coveted by everyone in the country. And he was asked, look, is that a blessing or is that sometimes maybe even a little bit of a curse? Well, it's, it's a lot of pressure, but it's also good for it's, – it's good to come in that highly rated because – you have so much expect like expected from so it makes you work even harder and it's just great you know just coming in that young that I can learn from other guys and you know play off of them and just just be that that guy that everybody you know expecting you to be expectations are also high on that side of the football for Greg Penn the third and not just because he's a third like I am no, no, the linebacker out of Maryland was an absolute stud in high school. Big get for LSU to get him. He goes into the season as one of the core linebackers, going to be playing alongside Mike Jones Jr. He's expected to be an everyday linebacker for sure after getting limited playing time, only appearing appearing in 10 games but getting limited reps last season. They expect big things from the six foot two, 238 pound linebacker. And he talked about, Greg did just about how talented the linebacking room is as a whole. I think as a whole, we're doing really good. We're getting better every day. Coach House is a really good coach. I think each guy in the group brings something different. I think everyone isn't the same. 
which is really good. I think each day we're, we're all getting better. Uh, we have a group of veterans and young guys, which I think is really good. So I think the group is really good, and you'll see in the fall. I think the group's going to be good, too. I think the linebackers are going to be kind of sneaky good for LSU this year. And it's so much of a difference coaching staffs can make on players. You usually see players play a lot better or a little bit more motivated and put in a little extra work when there's a coaching change because they feel like they have to prove themselves all over again. And that can be the benefit to the team. And I think that's what you're going to see with the linebacking core. But Greg talked about, you know, he was he was on the roster last year. He played very limited, but he was on the roster last year with last year's staff. This year's staff, completely different. What's been the biggest change from his perspective? I would probably just say the accountability with the whole team. I think everyone on the team is taking a step in, doing the right things in the classroom, off the field, just things like that. The little things that things in the past we weren't focused on, but now I feel like we're focused on everything as a team. And the linebacking core as well, it's an interesting thing because the coordinator is also the position coach, right? Which means you're going to be, if you're a linebacker on LSU's roster this year, you're going to get additional coaching. And there's going to be no room for error because the coordinator is going to care more about your position group than anyone else's because he's in charge of it. And he talked about what that's like. I think it's a great thing. I mean, we get the installs faster than other guys and things like that, but I feel like it's great. I mean, he tells us what other guys are doing, so it kind of helps us play fast and things like that. So, yeah, I'd expect the defense, lots of new starters, lots of new faces in that regard, but I expect to see LSU's defense, they have the potential to, to be really, really good this season. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update the poll question of the day. Wrap up hour number one. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day with Trevor Penning's injury. Should the Saints trade or sign another offensive lineman? Right now, 72% of you say yes, 28% say no. Let's get to some comments. Our guy, Salty Steve. A toe on a backup lineman? Question mark. Who cares? Hawaii wins the Little League World Series. Rory wins the FedEx Cup. College football, even if it was so-so, begins. Verlander injured in nine days to the RP3 and company fantasy football draft. If you're not going to be fired soon, your your name probably isn't Scott Frost. Great weekend. <laughs> we haven't even got to Scott Frost yet. And I guarantee you we will when Chris Vanini joins us at 8 o'clock. Darren on Twitter says... Penning wasn't about to play anyway. They were still great last year with Armstead being in and out. You just have to worry about pond water again. I worry about depth, though, and that's what killed him last year. Got to worry about depth because right now they don't have it. Darren goes on a rant about running back. I don't have time for that. I will get to it later. (laughs) Sorry, D. Just going to have to wait. Todd on Twitter says, Need depth, need depth, need depth, so they'll sign another wide receiver instead. John Paul Cajun Daddy says maybe they can get one in a trade for Ian Book. Yes, and Robert Duplichan says yes, they will. They still have cap space to sign a good one to back up Hurst. Cajun Dad Bod said this isn't a yes-no poll. (laughs) 
Thank you for all who voted on the poll question so far. Keep those votes coming. Darren, I'll get to your plethora of comments. My man's volume commenting this morning later on in today's show. That's going to do it for hour number one, hour number two, right around the corner. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Astros avoid the sweep, but possibly lose Verlander for a little while due to calf discomfort yesterday as they win the game against the Baltimore Orioles to maintain their lead in the American League for home field advantage. But their Cy Young award-winning pitcher and the leader in the clubhouse to win the award this year could be sidelined for a little while. New Orleans Saints, they drafted the young man out of northern Iowa, Trevor Penning, to help bolster their offensive line. He was going to be more than likely the sixth offensive lineman this year, learn how to play the position behind James Hurst, the veteran. Well, in the Saints win on Friday against the Los Angeles Chargers inside the Caesar Superdome, the final preseason game of the year, Trevor Penning has to be carted off, initially believed to be turf toe, ends up finding out that he's actually torn ligaments. He will be sidelined for months. More than likely. Where do the Saints go from here? Running back depth is an issue, but O-line depth is more important. You got Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Tony Jones Jr. You can find you another running back off the off the trash heap to fill a roster spot. That's not an issue. Offensive line, you got your starting five if you're the Saints. James Hurst was going to be the starting left tackle anyway. Hurst, then Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, and Ryan Ramchek. Who's going to be backing any of them up? Throckmorton, he can play especially inside. So you got one guy. Because Young, out of Kentucky, the second-year pro that they really like, he's banged up too. You can't go out there with only five offensive linemen. The Saints proved that last year. If Armstead wouldn't have gotten hurt, if Andres Pete wouldn't have gotten hurt, if McCoy wouldn't have been banged up, Ryan Ramchek missed time. All of them were banged up and missed time. Offense wasn't the same. When healthy, this starting offensive line that I just mentioned to you can help this team win a lot of games. But this is the NFL. You're not going to go a season with your offensive line not being banged up Guy's not missing time. Who is going to serve as the backup? The depth across the offensive line is a huge thing for the New Orleans Saints. What should they do? That's our poll question of the day on this Monday edition of RP3 and Company. 
with Penning's injury should the Saints trade or sign another offensive lineman. Once again, the market isn't very good for one. There isn't a lot of talented guys just sitting out there waiting to be signed. There's a reason why the Saints traded to get that other first-round pick so they could get their wide receiver and get their offensive tackle. More than likely, they're going to have to trade for somebody, trade for a veteran to have depth across the offensive line. Right now, 75% of you say they should trade for someone. 25% say they shouldn't. Darren, back to his plethora of comments. People say, worried about linemen. I'm worried about running back. If you can't run the ball consistently and you have a ton of wide receivers, you're putting Jameis in the same situation he was in Tampa. He will be slinging it all over the place, but that comes with a few INTs. That's why you need a running back who can draw safeties to the box because when AK is out there, he can run the ball, but he's more of a pass catcher and Ingram stays hurt. So RB3 will be more important than you think. But Darren, if you don't have offensive linemen to block for the running backs, it does not matter. Everything starts up front. Everything starts up front. Everything starts up front. It's a fundamental part of football. I agree you need more depth at running back, but if you don't have enough dudes up front, it does not matter, man. You can have Marshall Falk back there. You can have Earl Campbell back there. You can have Sweetness Walter Payton back there. Barry Sanders, it does not matter. If you don't have enough healthy bodies Across your offensive line, you can't run the football. You can't pass the football. Period. Oh, and by the way, when Jameis was in Tampa, the offensive line wasn't very good either. I get D wants a running back. I understand it. But, Cat, you got to have offensive line. No team in the history of the National Football League has won a Super Bowl championship without a, 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 a good offensive line. No one ever. It's never happened. Never happened. They've been playing professional football for 100 years. Never happened. It all starts up front. It all starts up front. The Saints have five guys. They need more than five. Because those five guys, someone's going to get nicked up. And when you lose one of your starters, you put your quarterback at risk. This is football 101. We get so focused on the skill position, guys, because they get us points in fantasy football leagues. It's more than that. And Darren loves trading New Orleans players. My guy D loves putting together scenarios, whether it's trading Zion Williamson. Now he wants to trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Because you're going to have to pay him next year and probably not. So trade him now. Ravens was playing wide receivers at DB yesterday. Maybe they have a few good linemen or running backs available. You're not going to trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They love Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Darren is all over the place this morning. My man. Keep those comments coming. You know what? Keep those phone calls coming as well. Game hotline is open. We want to hear from you. You want to talk Saints. You want to talk Astros. You want to talk college football. LSU Cajuns, McNeese, we'd love to hear from you. Hotline's 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Reynolds, to the show. Reynolds, good morning to you, brother. Hope you had a tremendous weekend. What's on your mind? So far. I I, I agree uh, 100% with you as far as the offensive linemen. 
you know, that, that is the, the base of your whole pyramid. You know, without a base, everything's going to collapse. You need depth on your line, on your offensive line and defensive line. They're not the sexiest positions, but they are the most, uh, I, I feel, the most valuable because without them, nothing runs. Nothing at all runs. But I want to go past that. So the, the trade line's coming. Uh, the wide receiver core. Is this a year finally going to get rid of Traquan Smith? Ooh. Last year, he had all, he had nothing. He was it, and he still underachieved. He had nothing at wide receiver. You would think he would have shined or at least kind of glittered a little bit. He didn't either. But yet, they're still talking about keeping him, and you have uh, young like uh, Dixon. Merritt's been doing really well. I'd rather Merritt because he's consistent at catching the ball. The only thing consistent uh, Traquan Smith is doing is not catching the ball. So they need to get rid of him while the iron's hot. You have a plethora of wide receivers. Get rid of them. What's your take? Reynolds, I appreciate the phone call, brother. I'll give you my take. Have a tremendous day. Uh, look. All right, bye. Don't be surprised if Kirk Merritt ends up being a running back on the roster so they can keep him. You'll have Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Tony Jones Jr., and they like Kirk Merritt in that Ty Montgomery role. Remember, Ty could run up at running back or wide receiver the last couple of years for the Saints. They've been lining up Kirk Merritt at running back. That tells me that they want to try to stash him somewhere. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him. But yet, that's another guy making an impact that can catch the ball to Reynolds Point. Traquan had every opportunity last year to be able to ball out, and he got overshadowed because Marquez Callaway was your leading receiver last year. Now, Kevin White's been cut with the injury distinction, so that frees up some space. I keep getting told over and over again that they really like Dixon, the young man out of Nichols that Reynold mentioned, but they're going to they're gonna try, try to stash him on the practice squad. Yeah. He's been balling out. There's a lot of tape out there. Dennis Allen wants him to be a better special team player. If someone's in need of a wide receiver, they may say, screw that. I don't care if you you know how to play special teams. We want to sign you to our roster. That's the danger there when you try to stash guys that way. But look at Friday night. Callaway played four catches. Jarvis Landry, a couple catches. Kirk Merritt, who I mentioned, four catches. He can also run the football. He had the touchdown. Chris Olave had a catch. Tony Jones Jr. had two catches. Alvin Kamara had a catch. Deshaun Dixon had a catch. No catches for Traquan Smith. They love him because he run blocks. I just don't know if it's worth keeping a guy on the roster when you have as many tight ends as you do, keeping a wide receiver on the roster that can run block. Is that all he's going to bring to it? You're telling me you can't teach one of these other wide receivers how to run block? I haven't been a big Traquan fan. I think it's make or break. He could be a casualty or could be someone that they try to trade to try to get running back depth or O-line depth as well. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show. Doug, good morning to you, brother. Hope you had a tremendous weekend. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, morning, Ray. Uh, I don't mean to contradict anybody, but I mean, y- y'all talk about you can't go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl without an offensive line, but look what Cincinnati did last year. 
was arguably the, the worst offensive line in all of NFL. But they didn't win I it, Doug. Even college football. They didn't win it, Doug. Oh, they didn't win it, Ray, but there were a couple of plays away from winning it. But but look, yeah, but but but, right. but Kansas City and, didn't win it the year before. And why didn't Kansas City win it the year before? I don't know. Because I, they lost two offensive linemen heading into the Super Bowl, two of their starters, and Patrick Mahomes was trying to throw passes while being horizontal to the ground. you got to well, have offensive line depth, Doug. It, there's no other way around it. I understand that. I understand that, Ray. I, I don't mean to contradict. I'm just saying, look, you, you can – you can get things done with a bad offensive line. I mean, Joe Burrow did it. But Jameis Winston's not Joe Burrow, Doug. I know that. I know He's that. not. Look, Joe, Joe may be special. Like, Joe has the potential. It's still early. But Joe has the potential of being a generational talent, right? We're talking somebody that is going to be remembered as a legend. He has that ability oh, yeah. at the pro he, level. He's a first-rounder. He's a first-rounder, no doubt. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, th- that's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. But for most people, there's there's only, what, three or four of those guys in the league, period? So, yeah, if you don't have an elite quarterback, but even then, Mahomes is elite, and his offensive line wasn't very good, and Tampa Bay took took advantage of it. But go ahead, brother. What's on hey, your mind? Hey, Ray, go, go back and look at that, p- at that penny play that he got hurt on. Jawan Johnson was supposed to come across the back of that offensive line and help Penny on that. Hey, he didn't. End. He I ran know. into the back of Penny. I know. I know. I thought he broke his hip the way he hit him. I mean, God's sake. And where did this guy come from anyway, Jawan Johnson? What is he, the practice squad player? Remember last year, Doug, he caught fire early. He got a couple of touchdowns from Jameis in the regular season, lining up at tight end. But then he struggled with learning the playbook and developing a rapport with everyone else. And then you didn't hear from him for about the back half of the season. So he hadn't learned anything on blocking. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so, sake, so, hey, 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 I got, I, I have something to, to help out everyone. Uh, just move Traquan Smith Thanks, to, Ray. to, to tight end so he can block. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. <laughs> hey, Doug, where's this Jawan Johnson? Yeah, remember, Jawan had a couple touchdown catches early last year. First couple games, if I remember right. And then he just disappeared. And we were like, what happened to Jawan Johnson? And then the reports come out that Juwan didn't know the playbook. So, like, there was only, like, two plays he could really do in a game. That was it. And then when Jameis got hurt, that was the end of that. (laughs) Like, there was no more Juwan Johnson on the field. He just wasn't being utilized. Great frame, looks the part. He looks the part. But there's a lot of guys in the NFL that look the part that aren't the part. We got to take a timeout. Keep those phone calls coming. I love it. Good stuff today. Good stuff with the comments on the poll question. Great stuff with the phone calls. Y'all keep that going. Hotline's open. 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Still got a few minutes here before we bring on our first guest of the day, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio. He's also the news and sports director of the Louisiana Radio Network. Will be joining us to talk all things LSU. Brian Kelly's press conference is today, 1140. I know that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for everyone. Typically, that's 1210. But Brian Kelly is having his press conferences at 1140. So we'll have that for you live right here on the game. Not to worry. We'll carry it live every single Monday. But we'll talk all things LSU, position battles, who's going to be named the quarterback, and so much more when Jeff joins us coming up in less than 10 minutes from right now. Astros are off today. They get a bit of a breather, if you will, after dropping two of three to the Baltimore Orioles over the weekend. They salvage the series yesterday by avoiding the sweep, but Verlander leaves the game with calf discomfort. He'll be getting imaging done and MRI done today to show the extent of the injury. If you're an Astros fan, you're trying to breathe a sigh of relief right now because, you know, at least it's not the elbow. Remember, Verlander had Tommy John in 2020. So today they're off because then they're going to go on the road playing a three-game set against the Texas Rangers and then another three-game set against the Los Angeles Angels, both divisional games. But here's the interesting thing for the Strohs and a good thing for Houston. They've had a rough go of it in the month of August only winning a few more games than they've lost. They've lost 11 games in the month of August. But the month is about to be wrapped up. That's one. Also, their schedule gets a little bit easier. Now, you can't assume anything when it comes to baseball, right? Baseball proves that to us over and over again, is that you can't assume that you're going to get a victory just because you're playing inferior competition, just because you're playing somebody that is struggling. That said, the Astros will play 18 consecutive games against teams with losing records. 18 consecutive games with teams with losing records. That's at the Rangers starting tomorrow, at the Angels, then at home versus the Rangers, at home versus the Angels, then at Detroit and versus Oakland. So they're going to play 18 consecutive games against teams with losing records. So the schedule gets a little bit more comfortable, if you will, for the Strohs. Once again, they're off today for travel, but they'll begin a three-game set at the Texas Rangers starting tomorrow, 7.05, first pitch for the Strohs. We should find out today the results of the MRI done on Justin Verlander, who had to leave yesterday's game after three innings due to a calf injury while trying to cover first base during a routine play. And that's always the, the scariest ones when you do them on a routine play and you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. No, no, no. 
While we have a few minutes here on RP3 and company, let's talk more New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Trevor Penning out for a considerable amount of time due to suffering a torn ligament in his foot during Friday night's preseason finale against the Los Angeles Chargers. That also led us to our poll question of the day. Should the Saints sign or trade for another offensive lineman to provide depth? Because Penning was slotted to be the number six O-lineman. That way they could utilize him across multiple places across the line to be the primary backup. But now he's going to be out. Young, the second-year player out of the University of Kentucky, has been banged up as well. Depth was an issue last year. Depth is now an issue again. Should the Saints do something about it? That is our poll question of the day. But it wasn't all bad. Right? It wasn't all bad with Trevor Penning getting injured. There's some good. They won the game. The quarterbacks looked sharp as well. And it was important for Dennis Allen to have his guys get considerable reps. And the head coach of the New Orleans Saints spoke about wanting to get Jameis and other guys much-needed reps. You know, wanted to get Jameis out there and in some game action. It's been a while since he's been in that environment, you know, and obviously he didn't get the, those practice reps against Green Bay. You know, Jarvis Landry's a new player to our system, so it was good to kind of get him out and, and, and play, you know, have a few plays in the dome. It was good that we got, you know, Marcus May and Tyron Matthew out there playing together. So, you know, obviously we're going to take a look at the, at the film, and there's certainly a lot of things that we still have to clean up, but overall pleased with the result. Pleased with the result. He was also pleased about the performance that Jameis gave him. Yeah, look, I thought he was confident in the pocket. I thought he was decisive with his reads. There was a couple of plays where he really stepped up in there and, and rifled the ball in. And so I, I was impressed with what he was able to do. Um, it was good to see. Look, they're, they're set at quarterback. They have Jameis. They have a reliable guy, backup in Andy Dalton. Whether or not Ian Book makes a 53-man roster, I don't know. It, it, no matter what, he's going to be the third-string quarterback. right? I, it, he'll be third-string. He'll just be on the active roster. If not, he'll be third-string running the practice squad. E- either way, he's going to be third-string. But the quarterbacks have looked sharp. There's the two guys, Winston and Andy Dalton, so I think they're set there. And for Winston, obviously the injury derailed his season last year. That began to show some promise. And then the injury took it away from him. And look, he's nothing but grateful to even have the opportunity to be back out there playing, even in a preseason game. Oh, it's it's football. I love football, and that's why I enjoy playing. The Lord blessed me with with abilities to go out there and play, so I'm used to that. Uh, but but what I was really grateful for was just the opportunity to go out there and do that and compete. So thank you to DA. And he further elaborated about what it means for him to, to be out there. And it's more than throwing touchdowns. It's more than completing a bunch of passes. It, it just means more to him. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I was happy we had a great balance uh, of the pass and the run, you know, but like, my gratitude for being out there is way more important than complete passes. Like I, I had a season where I didn't finish, so I'm, I was I'm thankful. That that means a lot more to me uh, than than completions. Jameis has been, you know, through a lot, and 
and getting benched and being pushed aside in Tampa Bay and then has to come and be the backup. And then when he gets the opportunity to start after Drew retires, he suffers an injury. So he's been through some adversity. And Mark Ingram, a guy that's a veteran in this league and a veteran on this team, you know, talked about the stuff that Jameis has been through. Yeah, I mean, he's the same guy. Better, obviously more seasoned, you know. You're the best version of yourself when you, you know, have trials and tribulations and adversities and you overcome it. And that's what he's done. He's overcome. He's coming on the other side from an injury. And um, I think he's better from it. I think he, you know, doesn't take any moment or any opportunity for granted. And um, any rep, anytime he's out there at practice, any game, any moment, I think, you know, you can't take those moments for granted. And, you know, he doesn't. None of us do. So I feel like he's the same person, a better person. Uh, just because he's come out on the other side of, you know, a tough situation. So um, that makes you better. Makes you better, says Mark Ingram. And he's not wrong there, is he? I like the Saints team. I like the Saints team to be a playoff team. I'll, I'll say it again. They had Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Ian Book, Trevor Simeon play quarterback for him last year. They had no Michael Thomas. They had no Will Lutz. They had a banged-up offensive line. They had COVID twice, big issues twice for this team. They still had a winning record. They still nearly made the playoffs. They just got better. You added Marcus May. You added Tyron Matthew. You expect big things second year out of Peyton Turner across the defensive line. You added Chris Olave. You added Jarvis Landry to the offense. You bring back Michael Thomas healthy. You got Jameis Winston. You got a reliable backup quarterback in Andy Dalton now. There's still issues, sure. Is Adam Troutman finally going to light bulb, finally going to go off for him at tight end? Is Tony Jones Jr. going to prove that he's more than just preseason hype? Yeah. Offensive line depth, yeah. But if this team can stay healthy, this is a playoff team all day long. All day long and twice on Sunday. Hey, the wait is almost over. A brand new football season is about to begin, and it's time for you to get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Who doesn't? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. You can get up to 7 you win. Get up seven, you win. That's right. That's all you got to do. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, doesn't matter if it's first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, does not matter. You get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing the game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only, bonus issued as a free bet, one early win token issued at opt-in, money line bets only, deposit and wagering restrictions do apply, eligibility and terms can all be found at DraftKings.com slash football teams. And the licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. 
And no, the poll question of the day is not about is HP1, that's Hattie Parch, daughter of RP3, Raymond Parch III, is she going to have a tremendous day at school today? Yeah, we already know that's going to happen. She's going to go into the classroom. She's going to kill it. She's going to earn points. She's going to get her learn on. And then she's going to tell her dad all about it when he picks her up on time, possibly even want to be one of the first ones in the pickup line today. You know, you, Hannah's shaking her head. <laughs> I'll try to do my best to pick up the little one early today. No, the poll question of the day, because we already know HP one's going to kill it. Poll question of the day, should the Saints trade or sign an offensive lineman because of the Trevor Penning injury? You let us know. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, our first guest of the day, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio will join us. That's all next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know you like us. Then it's time for you to show us how much you like being in a relationship with the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Go give us a like on our revamped Facebook page and follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. I can love you like that. That way, you can get the latest interviews, breaking news, and whatever shenanigans we're up to. Just search The Game Louisiana and be hooked up with Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is frustrating at the, you know, all the hard work I've been putting in during school. My GPA 3.8 or 9. So, like, yeah, it's frustrating. But, like I said, you know, I'm going to keep going. I won't let it stop me. Like, you know, no matter what I go through, I still have the opportunity, you know. So, I have, what, 10, 10 games I could play in. So, you know, I'm just ready for the, you know, season and stuff. That's John Emery, the suspended LSU running back apparently doing an interview at what I can only describe as uh during an old Six Flags commercial shoot because that's what the music sounds like in the background but John is trying to stay positive he's going to play in 10 games this year or have the opportunity to play in 10 games but what is his role going to be because it sure does feel like this is going to be Noah Kane's job and John Emery is just going to be another guy in the backfield to break that down, as well as when are we going to find out who the starting quarterback is going to be, is our first guest today. He's the sports director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He's also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio, which you can listen to every Tuesday here on RP uh, on the game. Now joining us on RP3 and Company is Jeff Palermo. Jeff, John Emery, uh, have you figured out why a guy with a GPA of 3.8 is suspended for academic reasons? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's a lot that we really don't know about this, um, but whatever it is to be suspended for what, what what amounts to be 15 games, it has to be pretty serious, right? I mean, I mean, I don't think the NCAA is just um, going out there and you know just they you know they they picked a name out of the hat and said, oh, let's uh, let's uh, mess with John Emery's eligibility. I, I don't think that's what happened. Uh, so obviously, something significant happened here. Um, we, we all knew even going back to last season that this wasn't your just typical pass versus fail type of situation. There was much more to it. 
So, yeah, we don't really know all the details, but uh, based on what we heard from there, it, it sounds like he's, uh, even though his attorney has been trying to appeal this and Coach Brian Kelly has tried to work to see if they can't get him reinstated for this season opener against Florida State, he really sounded like a man there during that soundbite you played that he's, I don't want to say content, but I guess maybe resigned to the fact that he won't be playing the first two games of the season and he'll look to make a, an impact in the SEC opener against Mississippi State. Yeah, and he's going to have to be regulated to that. I agree with you. If the guy has the GPA, then something else has happened that the NCAA is trying to bust him on. We, we can't speculate, but could it be uh, cheating on an exam? Something of yeah. that nature would result in the NCAA coming in with a hammer like they're doing with John. So when he does get onto the field, will he have an opportunity to be the starter? Or do you think by that time, Noah Kane will have locked that up and John Emery will just be a guy on the depth chart? I think he will be part of a rotation of running backs. Um, I mean, we've heard Brian Kelly speak this preseason that they don't have that dominant running back in that running back room or on their depth chart. And I think that includes John Emery. So if that's the case, John Emery will have to um, buy his time and and wait for an opportunity. And I think he'll get his opportunity. I mean, I I don't think he's just going to sit on the sidelines and only play during when the games are out of hand and they're just running the ball to end the contest or anything like that. I, I think he'll have a significant part of this team. I mean, Coach Kelly has said that. Um, but I don't know if he, even during this preseason camp, has illustrated himself or shown himself as the guy that needs to be the top back. And the same can be said for Noah Kane. I Again, I think uh, Coach Kelly said it well, that what he looks at with these running backs is he's got a lot of guys that, depending on when they use them, they can have some success. Uh, they are not necessarily the bell cow for your team. But uh, you use them in the right situation, and um, you, you kind of rotate through there. You can you can still run the ball very well with the guys that you have. It's just not going to be one guy, and and that's pretty much it. Quarterback, when are we going to find out who the starter is going to be? Is it going to be today during his press conference? You know, he's been coach. I think Coach Kelly's been fairly transparent during this preseason camp. I mean, and. He's given the media much more access than anybody else has in a couple decades. So based on that, I think he announces who the starting quarterback is today. Uh, I mean, there's obviously the argument, why even announce it? Keep Florida State guessing. But what we've seen so far is a guy that's not afraid to for cameras to be shown, practice video, not afraid for the media to, to watch scrimmages. Um, he's whenever you ask him a question about someone, he's pretty open uh, about their assessment, whether it's good or bad. I mean, even going back to Kayshawn Booty, where he talked about him not really being connected with the team when Coach Brian Kelly first got the job. So he's not been afraid to pull the curtain back a little bit. And I understand this is big. You're talking about your, your starting quarterback and how other teams are – um, you know, going to game plan you, but I have a feeling he's going to announce it that way. There's not this 
speculation throughout the uh, entire week. I think it's, and then, you know, the same could be said for Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. You know, when they're on campus or whatever, they're not getting pestered about who's the starting quarterback. Everybody knows who it is, and, and, you, and you just move forward with that, with that guy's uh, QB1. Who do you think it's going to be today? I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels. I mean, I, you're, you're talking about the guy that's the more veteran player. You know, even during the practice that media got to see on Saturday, which is probably the last one until – Maybe, maybe until a bowl game if they have a, a bit of an open practice period then. But Jaden Daniels was still getting the majority of the snaps with, uh, or at least in the drills, uh, working with the first unit in the drills. Uh, you have an offensive line that is very much a, a question mark, and I think you're gonna you're gonna need Jaden Daniels to make plays with his legs to make plays when that offensive line breaks down. And I think um, he's just. Uh, there, there was something that Brian Kelly really liked about Jaden Daniels when he brought him in, you know, right? And, and that's the other thing about this, that this is kind of – I understand that he signed Walker Howard, but Walker Howard was even committed here before um, Brian Kelly got here. So uh, this is really one guy that he went out and he chose to be a quarterback here. And I think that's who he's going to ride with at the beginning. Wide receiver Jack Besh was back at practice, full participant, right? We expect him to be good to go for Sunday's opener against Florida State, yes or no? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it seems like he's been practicing more. You know, those shin splits, he, he had that. That's kind of what has slowed him down during this camp, and uh, that's something that can kind of linger a little bit. So, thankfully, I think it happens during during camp where they could really manage it. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a big part of um, what LSU does offensively, where he's getting the ball a half a dozen times or so, or at least a half a dozen targets. And uh, hopefully that's not something that just keeps popping up throughout the season, though. Like I said, that's one of those injuries that certainly can linger through the course of the year. How do you think the wide receiving core is going to look like when we – see the team take the field on Sunday night against Florida State. Who are you going to be your starting three, starting four wide receivers? Well, I think it's going to be Besh. I think it's going to be Brian Thomas. And obviously, Booty is going to be there as well. Uh, and then you have Mason Taylor, who's really impressed Coach Kelly at the tight end position. And then you got some other guys, you know, Dre Jenkins. I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't leave him out. I mean, Coach Kelly really likes the consistency that they're – seeing out of him, especially towards the um, the, the back half of this uh, preseason camp. He's picked up his game. Um, so, yeah, I think he's part of that uh, mix as well. You can't forget about Malik Neighbors. I think a guy that you can put in the slot. I mean, they're, they're really deep at, at that position. I, I mean, that's you just feel really comfortable with what they got at that wide receiver position. And, again, going back to – I think even what Coach Brian Kelly said during SEC media days is he's got the position players. He's got the the guys that um, are, can make plays for you out in the perimeter or in the passing game. It's it's really just comes down to that offensive line. Um, can it can it give the protection and can the quarterback make the right decision? And that, and and obviously that's that's two big question marks from going into this year. But if they're halfway decent in both of those question marks or they're able to answer those two question marks, then you're talking about a team that 
might win nine, maybe ten games, uh, especially if that defense holds up. But if those are problems, then, uh, well, maybe it is only a seven-win season. Wrapping up our conversation with Jeff Palermo. He's co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. He's also the sports director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. Let's talk about the defense. We spent so much time talking about the D-line because of the talent there, the future NFL talent. And we talk about the revamped secondary a lot as well. But linebacker seems to be the position group that we forget about. Hands-on D coordinator. Could we see the linebacking core possibly be the best unit on defense this year when it's all said and done? I still think it's going to be the defensive line, but I think at linebacker you have, you feel pretty good about what you got there. Uh, you know, Mike Jones really played well towards the end of last season, and you can't forget about a guy like Micah Baskerville. I mean, I think a lot. I mean, the fifth-year senior. I think a lot of guys really forget what the what this guy can do. I mean, he's the top returning tackler for the Tigers. Uh, had 83 tackles last season. He's on Buckus Award watch list. Um, he didn't compete or he, he wasn't involved in spring practice, so that's always a concern. And you're talking about another guy that potentially has some other academic issues or whatnot. But uh, you, you kind of like what you're seeing out of him. Uh, Greg Penn. Uh, look forward to seeing what you're going to get out of him. And then Harold Perkins, the freshman, um, has been a guy that he, he looks the part when it comes to a, being a, a five-star linebacker. So uh, I, I think it could be a good group. Um, I still think that defensive line, though, is just because you're, you're really looking at some surefire NFL potential uh, with Ojolari, Ali Gay, um, Mason Smith, Jaquil and Roy, I mean, I, I think that's just a, a terrific group. But uh, that being said, I mean, I think Ojolari and Gay, uh, with this defense here with Matt House, I think they're going to have multiple fronts. So they, they'll they line up with three men, three down linemen, and sometimes four. So I think you'll see Ojolari and Gay, they will sometimes drift back into coverage. So I guess you can kind of consider those guys outside linebackers as well. But and that line, linebacking unit, it, it, it looks solid. It looks solid. Um, is there a Devin White there? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think that's. We'll see. We'll see if if someone can really uh, stand out and kind of come out of nowhere and have a have a great season. I guess if you want to look at a position group where someone could kind of jump out of nowhere and really have a, a big impact, it, it might be at that. It might be with those group of players. They may not have a Devin White, Jeff, but if you have four really good players and not one great player, it, 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 it's, it, it tends to be more impactful than just having one great guy and a bunch of average guys. So it, it could turn out really well for LSU. I'm, I'm kind of high on the linebackers. Bud, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy Tiger Ag Radio this week, and enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. We'll talk to you next Monday. Sounds good, Raymond. You have a good one we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors in the game. 
You can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club right now today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Poll question of the day. With Penning's injury, should the Saints trade or sign another offensive lineman right now? 75% of you say yes. 25% say no. Keep those votes coming. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three. We'll kick it off with Chris Vanini talking all things college football. That's next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number three has arrived here in RP3 and Company. We're having a good time, a great time, if you will. Two hours already in the books. Final hour has arrived. We're going to talk more New Orleans Saints football, the Trevor Penning injury. How does that impact the roster for the Saints? What are they going to do at the wide receiver position? A battle there to make the 53-man roster when Tina Howell joins us at 8.30 for the Big Easy Blitz. But right now, it's time for us to talk college football. It officially kicked off this past weekend with Week Zero. Week one, we'll see the teams that we cover kick off. UL at home versus the Southeastern Lions on Saturday night. McNeese will open up on the road at number two, Montana State up in Bozeman, Montana. A little FCS football action. And then, of course, LSU will be your primetime matchup on Sunday night inside the Caesars Superdome when they take on the Florida State Seminoles, who opened up the season on week zero taking on Duquesne yes Duquesne is a school that has a football program found that out about two weeks ago to break down week zero and look ahead to week one is our friend from the athletic the college football writer columnist Chris Vanini Chris good morning to you brother how are you my friend I am doing well thanks for having me let's start off with the game that I caught some of on Saturday Nebraska Northwestern does Scott Frost make it to the end of the season well he's got a schedule that makes that possible you know if you look at Nebraska's schedule they end the year with uh I think Michigan Wisconsin Iowa uh, Minnesota of some sort so the November is very tough but everything up to that point is is not and that's why you can't really afford to lose a game to a team like Northwestern. Now they still got North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Indiana, all coming up before that buyout drops on October 1st, plus Oklahoma. If you're three and two at that point, he's probably okay. But now you really can't lose, for example, that, that Indiana game. 
Um, so is he going to make it through the year? I, I, Nebraska is not really a place that will probably do it midseason, but, you know, he can't make them – he can't force them to do it either. Why has he been so bad at Nebraska after having such great success, in particular one tremendous season at UCF? Well, they've just – they've made the same mistakes every year. They're, they're not good on the offensive line, and they don't have – speed i mean that's the biggest difference when you look at what he had at ucf and what he has now it's just nebraska's not fast enough at, at linebacker at receiver at all these other spots and it it just it catches up with you at some point and not only that you got northwestern pushing you around in the trenches on on in the fourth quarter on saturday uh northwestern didn't throw the ball in the final 12 minutes of that game and and so it was just it was a really ugly thing and the special teams mistakes which have been a constant for him throughout his tenure it's just the loss to northwestern looks like every loss that nebraska had last year let's stay with week zero not a ton of great matchups right it was week zero what games or what performances stood out to you or at least caught your attention chris well, Northwest. I, I mean, start there with Northwestern, and that like I thought it looked like they had a couple of decent pieces that that you can use to move forward. They got an offensive tackle who's going to be a first round pick probably. Brian Holinsky, the quarterback, the former I think five star recruit, or at least a blue chip recruit at quarterback. Cam Porter at running back looked pretty explosive. So I think Northwestern. This might be even year Northwestern, one of those years where they had where they surprised some folks. I thought North Texas uh, looked very solid going into UTEP and winning. And that's uh, North Texas has now won six straight regular season games. They won five straight to end last year. So they were impressive. And then Vanderbilt, you know, I, I think a big takeaway from that game is Hawaii is going to be probably dreadful this season, but uh, Vanderbilt showed a lot of explosiveness in a way that uh, we hadn't seen last year. So um, I, I think those teams uh, have a lot to build on coming out of week zero. Week one is upon us. Give me your marquee matchups, the one that you're going to be glued to the television for. Well, I won't be glued to the television because I'll be at Oregon, Georgia. So that's one of them, uh, the defending national champs against uh, against Oregon and their former defense coordinator. That's a big one. And then obviously Ohio State, um, Notre Dame. In Columbus, two, two of the three biggest programs of all time, night game, all the excitement. Uh, is how does Notre Dame look with with the new quarterback? Is Ohio State going to be the machine that it looks like? Uh, we'll see. And then and then also uh, Florida State LSU, which is I think obviously a, this is going to be a huge year for Mike Norvell at Florida State. And uh, if he can get a win against LSU, Brian Kelly in his first game, that'd be a huge start to the season. What did you take away from what you saw from Florida State? I know they played Duquesne, but did anything stand out to you where you're like, hey? Uh, there, there's some improvement there. Well, I, I mean, they had three 100-yard running backs for the first time in school history, and that's a positive. You know, they, they need to be able to run the ball. You're not going to win the game on Jordan Travis's arm, probably. Uh, so that's a positive. Um, outside of that, it's hard to put too much into it. Look, I mean, Florida State lost to an FCS school last year, so I guess beating an FCS school is an improvement <laughs> here. But in, in Duquesne did beat Ohio last year, an FBS team. But I also don't think Duquesne is a full FCS team. I'm, I'm not sure. Last I checked, um, so it's hard to put too much stock into it. But 
you got a game under your belt. A lot of new transfers on that team got a game under their belt. They did everything they were supposed to do. Uh, so that's about all you can ask for. They got a game under their belt, and last year LSU opened up the season against a team that already had a game under their belt in UCLA, and, and that game went sideways for the Tigers. It's a different situation this season. But what do you make of this Florida State-LSU matchup? Lots of intrigue and lots of question marks for both programs heading into this opener. That makes it a little bit more intriguing to me. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of transfers in and out of LSU. Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, is interesting. Um, Brian Kelly, obviously coming down from Notre Dame, it's a new look. I'm very curious to see what what kind of their offense looks like. You know, Mike Denbrock is the offense coordinator coming from Cincinnati. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, LSU had the greatest offense in college football history, potentially. So how do they take advantage of the, the talent you typically have at LSU? And look, it, 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 Brian Kelly's going to be fine, but this is going to, uh, I think, lead to some overreactions. If he loses this first game, there's going to be a lot of people like, oh, I don't know, this guy, from he's a Yankee, he doesn't really understand Louisiana. How, how is that going to work out if he loses to Florida State, who we don't think is any good? I, I, I wouldn't buy into that if that happens, but I can't understand fans reacting that way if that happens. If he wins, you know, then it's going to be, all right, cool, LSU's potentially back here and, 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 and stuff on like that. So, obviously, got to see how exactly the game plays out, but this is a big narrative setting game for both coaches we're talking with chris vanini of the athletic he joins us here on rp3 and company as we talk all things college football let's stay in the sec texas a&m seems fascinating to me because lots of hype lots of headlines this offseason but yet i don't know it, it, would you be stunned if you saw texas a&m lose three to four games again this year no because that's what they've Almost always done under Jimbo Fisher. They've just they've been an eight and four team for the most part outside of twenty twenty. And look, I think Devin Etchane's one of the best running backs in the country. The talent is obviously getting better there, but with a Jimbo team, like it comes down to the quarterback play and if you've got it or not. And is Hayes King going to be that guy? We saw him for two games last year, and he got hurt, so we, we can't really say much about that. But like, if you look at like the scoring offense. Texas A&M under Jimbo. It's not been great, and it's kind of been declining every year. So, like, for all the t- you know, Texas A&M is going to have to get into the national championship picture here soon in a couple years because of how they're recruiting, getting a number one class. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. I think it's going to come down to simply quarterback play, which is often how football does. Let's stay in the West. Ole Miss coming off the 10-win season, kind of a breakthrough year for Lane Kiffin there in Oxford, but quarterback is a big question mark over in Starkville. It's going to be year three of Leach. His programs usually take a jump up in year three, whether it was at Texas Tech or Washington State. How interesting do you think the two Mississippi programs can be this year? Yeah, I, I think Mississippi State is a sleeper team in the SEC potentially. Like you said, that third year under Leach, things typically take off. They've got a lot of returning starters. I, I think the defense has actually been pretty solid there with what they run. Um, so it, it could, you know, there are some like advanced stats that think Mississippi State is going to be potentially like a top fifteen type of team this year. So that'll be interesting to watch. And then I, I'm high on L on uh, Ole Miss. 
and all the new players that, that Blaine Kiffin brought in. That includes Jackson Dart, the former USC quarterback. But it also includes Zach Evans, the former five-star running back who went to TCU. Uh, he's averaged like seven yards a carry in his career for two years, but he doesn't touch the ball. He never touched the ball enough there. You go to Ole Miss, where Lane Kiffin's always the guy who he's going to put the ball in his most talented player's hands time and time again. And I think that's what he's going to have with Zach Evans, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it's in the backfield or running back. He's going to use him in a lot of different ways. I think Zach Evans uh, at Ole Miss is going to have a monster season. And I think Ole Miss is – we, we made some bold predictions in the athletic. Uh, I picked Ole Miss to beat Alabama this year, so – uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty high on Ole Miss. You're high on Mississippi State. You're high on Ole Miss. Still question marks about LSU. Uh, Arkansas had a great season last year. They kick off the season at home against Cincinnati, who's ranked 23. Arkansas's 19, a top 25 matchup to begin the year. But Razorback's schedule is kind of tough. Do you see them taking a step back? Arkansas is a team where you can see them maybe be a better team but have a worse record. And it's, it's because of that. It's because of opening against Cincinnati. It's because of going to BYU in October. Uh, I forgot what the And there's one other non-conference game that's really tough. It, it's a very strange schedule. Uh, but this game is really interesting for a lot of reasons. And, and i got to say, the more I see Desmond Ritter, like, play pretty decent in the NFL preseason, the more I think Cincinnati might actually – struggle at times this year because uh, of, of losing Ritter and, and losing nine NFL draft picks as they did last year. Uh, so going down to Arkansas is going to be, uh, you know, this is kind of one of those under the radar, not headline inducing games that's for, for week one, but I think it's going to be a really, really good game and really fascinating between these two teams. Chris, let's switch out of the SEC and let's head to the Sun Belt. New coach in charge of the Raging Cajuns with Coach Dez taking over, longtime assistant, and before then a star player there. Lots of returning starters back. Do you still feel the Raging Cajuns are going to be able to win the West? And uh, who presents them the biggest challenge in the West division? I, I picked them to win the West just kind of by default. I just didn't think there's really anybody who could challenge them yet, unless things are going to be worse than, than we think for, for the Cajuns. Um, but the, the team I'd look for as a, as a contender in that division is the one that just moved into that division, which is Troy. Uh, they've gone five and seven the last few years, but there's a lot of talent on that team. And that's part of the reason they fired the coach is because he was going five and seven with, with a lot of good players on that team. They've got probably the best defensive line in the country. I'm saying the Sun Belt. Got Carlton Marshall, the linebacker, who's could break the NCAA tackles record this year. Uh, that's been a real solid team, and John Summerall comes in. People there have said very good things about what he's done so far, and uh, if they can get things on track there at Troy, I think Troy is probably the biggest contender for Louisiana. But I, I, I'm still leading toward the Cajuns just because of um, Michael Desermo understanding that place, having been there, knowing knowing the talent there, not having to adjust like I Typical new head coach would, and uh, I think they'll be okay. Over on the East, it's stacked, especially with all the new teams that have joined. It feels like to me it's going to be a dogfight. I still like App State. What about you? Yeah, I like App State as well. They've just they've got so many talented running backs there, and a really good 
offensive line. I think they're going to be back to the app state of old that we saw, which is just running the ball a lot. Quarterback Chase Bryce is back after the best season in school history, but they kind of have to replace all their new receivers, so that'll be an adjustment. But I just think, I mean, App State's got like four or five running backs who I think are solid players, and so I think they're just going to be a team like that. Uh, Marshall is a team I would have had in contention more, but Rasheen Ali, the the star running back just uh, last week, stepped away from the team for uh, some personal issue of some kind, and they don't know when he's going to be back. That was probably your biggest contender on that side. Um, Coastal Carolina has got Grayson McCall back at quarterback, but they've got to replace everybody else around him, so that's kind of up in the air at the moment. But, yeah, I think I'd be going to App State as well. All right, bud, we'll get you out of here with this. You cover the group of five schools better than really anyone else in the country. Who are the teams that you're looking to that could be in the mix for a New Year's Day bowl game and possibly could crash the college football playoff this year, if any at all? I don't see playoff as likely. Now, if Cincinnati whoops Arkansas in week one, then I guess that door could kind of open up. Um, But I, I think in terms of the New Year's six spot. Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF to me are all like 1A, 1B, 1C in terms of the American. I, I think all three of them are going to be good this year. Uh, they, they all have um, power five teams on the schedule that they can beat. Houston in particular, after they, they play Texas Tech and UTSA to open the season, after that they don't got really nobody who I think is going to challenge them. So it, there's a possibility that Houston runs the table in the regular season. Um, I, I think App State could be as well if they can beat North Carolina this week in week one. Um, outside of that, it's, it's hard to say. I think the Mountain West doesn't have a undefeated-type team emerge. Conference USA may not as well. I mean, UTSA could, but they didn't get a lot of respect from the committee last year. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see that Houston-UTSA game is going to be big for, for either team there. So I, I think this is really wide open, um, this spot, as opposed to the past couple of years where we kind of always knew – Oh, it's probably going to be Cincinnati or it's probably going to be UCF. Like It's real open this year, and I think that's exciting. Is it as wide open as Desmond Howard's college football playoff predictions that were unveiled over the weekend? Look, at The Athletic, we did a playoff predictions, and all like nine or ten of us picked, picked a combination of Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Georgia, Utah. Like four or five teams, we all picked those. I at least give Desmond credit for going off the wall and doing the complete opposite. We got him talking about it. We paid attention to it. We saw it. Like It's boring to pick the same four teams for the playoff every year. Uh, so at least he tried to have a little bit of fun with it, I guess. He, he did. Part of me feels like he was just doing it be like, hey, I just want to be different. This is going to be a thing, me picking Pittsburgh and A&M and, and, and Baylor in the, in the final four. Uh, which is good because it gets us talking about it, brother. Uh, tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where they can uh, and where they can go to get all uh, all your great articles. And if you guys are running any kind of specials or any deals right now with the athletic, yeah, just uh, at Chris Vanini uh, on Twitter and social media. Theathletic.com for for all things college football. I don't really know what the latest deal is. They kind of keep changing them up, but it's I think it might be like a dollar a month or something at the moment. So. Uh, give that a check out if you, if you haven't yet. Chris, appreciate your time as always, brother. Can't wait to talk to you during the season. Enjoy your week. Yep, thanks for having me. That's Chris Vanini of The Athletic talking all things college football. My guy is one of the best in the business, and he especially pays attention to the group of five. 
Appreciate that insight. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up. We'll update the poll question of the day. Get to your latest comments as well right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Has your home or business experienced an unexpected disaster? From fire and water damage restoration to mold remediation, call the experts immediately at Superior Contract Cleaning, 337-247-5567, or visit superiorcontractcleaning.com. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game, and you'll get $200 in free bets instantly. I'll say it again for those in the back. Bet just $5 on any football game, and you'll get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, that's right. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. This is what the deal is. Get up by seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you're going to get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing the game. It's a it's a no, no-lose situation. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. You must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as a free bet. One early win token issued at opt-in money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. Trevor Penning has torn ligaments in his foot. He's going to be out indefinitely for the New Orleans Saints, the first-round draft pick, who was going to be the number six offensive lineman for this team. He was not going to be the starting left tackle. He was getting necessary reps during preseason and during training camps to develop to be the number six offensive lineman and to set up him to eventually become the starting left tackle. Well, now he's gone. He's going to be out indefinitely. What does that do for their O-line depth? It takes a huge hit. It takes a huge hit now. They're starting five when healthy or good. Good as a unit. Hurst. Pete, McCoy, Ruiz, and Ramchek. 
but who can back them up? Where's the depth? It was a concern last year. It cost them games last year. What do they need to do this year? Now, we asked you, should they trade or go sign an offensive lineman to help with the depth across that line of scrimmage? Right now, 75% of you still say yes. 25% say no. JPK, the OD, says, Our cap guru and mathematical wizard Mickey Loomis has been hard at work in the basement and has the Saints at $11,577,211 under the salary cap. Eric Fisher is still out there. They could sign him and have beer and burger money left for the season. I love that way of thinking. <laughs> Ralph says, of course they do. Hurst isn't 100% yet, and Penning was improving with each snap. Would have been starting by midseason. Not if, it's who and how much. I agree with Ralph. I think they're going to make a move. And maybe it's a veteran or maybe it's a middle-tier guy. You just need someone that you can count on reliable because, look, here's the thing. Ramchek has always been healthy except for last year. He got banged up last year for the first time. Ruiz is still developing. He's been better in camp. But Andres Pete is always nicked up. Hurst is still nicked up. You're going to need an extra body on the left side of the line, whether that's guard or tackle. You're going to need somebody. Will the Saints make a move to shore that up? Once again, you have the week off now. Instead of week four of preseason, you have an extra week off to rest up and to evaluate, get that 53-man roster down to where it needs to be, and then make a move. Should they make a move? 75% of you say yes. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it before we wrap up today's show. But right now, it's time for us to take a timeout. When we return, it'll be time for us to talk the Trevor Penning injury. Where do the Saints go from here? How's it going to work out at wide receiver? Who's going to earn a roster spot? Who isn't? Is Ian Book going to be on the 53-man roster or a practice squad player? Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles will join us for the Big Easy Blitz, and she'll answer all those questions and more. That's next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. Begin the Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. I felt like we did good. I mean, we, obviously we had a few penalties that took away some um, good plays, but uh, just cleaned that up, and I think we were able to overcome it and, um, you know, put together two good drives and score touchdowns. So it's definitely what you want. And um, just clean a few things up, but I think uh, we started out really well as far as coming out the gate, first possession, getting down there, long drive, successful plays. Obviously the penalties want to get rid of those, but we were able to get in zone despite, you know, the bad things that we did. So, it was great. Mark Ingram, backup running back, RB2 for the New Orleans Saints, talking about how the offense performed during Friday night's preseason matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers, a game they won, but they did lose offensive lineman Trevor Penning indefinitely for ligaments torn in his foot. To break it all down for us and to look ahead at what the 53-man roster is going to be for the black and gold, is the editor from Canal Street Chronicles. Our friend Tina Howell joins us now on the Big Easy Blitz. Tina, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am doing outstanding. So let's start off with Trevor. He wasn't going to be the starter, not at first at least. 
but he suffers torn ligaments in his foot out indefinitely. Their depth is now an issue yet again, just like it was last year across the offensive line. What do the Saints do there address it? Well, if you go off of what Dennis Allen said, he feels that James Hurst may be ready. I'm concerned about that because he was in a walking boot on the sideline. I mean, he hasn't practiced in a couple weeks. I mean, I know Ramchak. We've got Ramchak. We've got uh, Lewis Kidd as a rookie. Landon Young. I noticed last week that prior to Penning getting injured that the Saints were fielding trade calls. So I don't know what they were looking for or what they were seeking. Might have been draft picks, right? Player they feel, you know, is expandable, but they may possibly trade for a veteran. I mean, we, we do have cuts coming up tomorrow at three o'clock, at least three o'clock our time. So uh, if, if there's someone that catches their eye, they may actually trade for a veteran tackle. They could uh, go trade for a veteran tackle. They don't need a starter, right? They just need a backup. What about uh, Eric Fisher? He's still out there. Um, I know he's old and been kind of banged up. Is that someone they could kick the tires on on the cheap? Yeah, Fisher, Nate Solder could be a possibility. Um, I just, I, I'm really concerned because this was an issue. We talked about this last year. O-line was an issue last year. Um, I'm really, I've watched that play over and over and over again. And, you know, to see your your guy, someone like Penning who had such good potential get taken out by his own players. <laughs> it's it's really it's it's really disappointing because he he improved so much from that first preseason game uh into the second week and I had a lot of hopes for the kid I mean anybody that follows me online knows you know I've been an advocate for him and uh I hate seeing it but uh I'm hoping James I'm hoping that Dennis is is correct and not pulling punches with the injuries like Sean used to and that James uh Hurst is ready to go and that you know we can get a get a backup but uh, it's concerning. It is my only concern at this point. So that's actually a good thing because um, uh, last year, this was a totally different con- uh, discussion as far as the concerns I had with the roster. But if, uh, if we can, you know, if he can, if he can go week one and we can possibly pick up a veteran, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it all is not as bad as we're feeling. It's just, it's so, it's been such an encouraging camp. We've been hearing such great things and seeing great things. So when something like this happens in a meaningless preseason game and, and I I'm not an advocate for, for three preseason games, and this is exactly why, because we've seen so many injuries. I mean, look what's going on in Tampa Bay right now. Their O-line is, like, decimated. So um, it's just – it's unfortunate. But, you know, we hope Penning has a successful surgery and he gets back because the kid has a lot of potential. And I could see him, you know, really bringing a lot to the table for this team. Let's talk about running back. Uh, they cut Abram Smith, the young man who they gave a quarter of a million dollar contract to as an undrafted rookie out of Baylor. He wasn't bad in preseason, but he he wasn't great. So are they going to sign him to the practice squad or are they going to try to sign somebody else to provide depth at running back behind Ingram and Tony Jones Jr. who are going to be backing up Alvin Kamara? I think our guys are already on the roster. I um, I do think if one claims, Abram, that he'll make the practice squad. But as far as our running back three, I think it's it's between Tony Jones Jr. right now and Dwayne Washington. And I think Dwayne Washington edges out Tony Jones Jr. just because of his abilities on special teams. But who knows? Tony Jones Jr. has had an incredible camp. He's performed really well in preseason games. So uh, it's 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 a two horse race right now between those two. But I do think Abram stays on with the team, and and they they do uh, they'll release him. But if he clears, he'll he'll uh, he'll be back with the team on practice squad. Kirk Merritt is someone that's been turning heads, and they've also lined him up at running back. He kind of can fill that Ty Montgomery role. Do you believe he's making the 53-man roster? 
I do. I love the kid. He's a Destrahan native. I think Traquan Smith is the odd man out. I think he's going to get cut and be placed on the practice squad. And I think that Kurt Murray is going to fill that fifth uh, wide receiver role. Why not trade Traquan and try to, you know, get something for him? Because he is under contract just for the one year. So a team would be getting a rental, right? Yeah, but Kurt Merrick has really performed very well. Um, and he's such a versatile player. And the Saints in the past have been one of those ones that have rewarded players that have come up. And Traquan has had some issues. I mean, we saw what happened in the game the other night. I mean, had it should have been a touchdown, first of all. But, I mean, the refs are in midseason form. They, you know, they blew the whistle and called the, the play that dead. But, I mean, you saw him going down with that ball. That ball was catchable. And, I mean, that's a very dangerous thing for him to pop that ball up like he did. That could have been an easy interception for someone. Um, so, you know, Callaway was in the right place at the right time. I just think we've had, you know, ups and downs with Traquan. And Kurt Merritt has really performed. And I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of Traquan. So, I feel like he's going to get caught put on the practice squad and Kurt Merrick is going to get his chance, but that doesn't mean anything because the saints move players often on the practice squad all the time. What about Dixon? The young man out of Nichols, he's balled out in the receiving game. I know Dennis Allen has been like, he needs to improve on special teams, but the kid can catch the ball and he can run routes all day long. Correct. And I think the problem is we, we have a lot of depth this year at a lot of different positions. Cuts are never easy. We're going to see some names that we feel are going to be released and some of them brought back on the practice squad but unfortunately you're going to see some names there's a lot of guys out there that you know I, I, I like we we actually cut a uh, zigbo and i like him a lot and i felt like he had a good shot but i mean the saints obviously know what they're looking at more than i did and and they um you know they released him and he was he's and within a day he saw him, you know with a different team so i think with with all the our different positions with running back with wide receiver I think we're, we're pretty set with what we have. Um, we know, number one, Alvin Kamara is our number one guy. Mark Ingram, who you had at the beginning of the segment, that's my guy. I love him. He is playing, you know, uh, balls out basically right now. It's like he is just on fire. He's got that burst back. And, I, I, I you know, I feel confident in him being our number two guy and not having any issues as far as if and when Kamara gets suspended because that's still a really big question. And then, uh, like I said, you know, we've got Tony Jones Jr. and Jane Washington. They made choose to keep four. They may decide to release one and put the other one on practice squad. We just, there's a lot of uncertainty as far as who's going to make what, because everybody's been performing at such a high level right now. And I mean, normally I, I would say that the Saints would go in with six wide receivers, but I just think we have a lot of depth and a lot of talent in other places that if they release these guys, other teams are going to pick them up. Just like what we saw, you know, recently with the Zigbo. We're talking with Tina Howe, editor of Canal Street Chronicles. She joins us for the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Okay, quarterbacks both look sharp. Ian Book looked better on Friday than he had the first couple of games. <laughs> Does Ian Book make the 53-man roster, or do you think he's a practice squad kid? I think he's going to be cut and, and, and put on the, on the practice squad. Um, he did improve a little bit. But, I mean, you know, a, a, a half of a game to me doesn't make up for what we've seen uh, last year. And then, of course, the two for preseason games. I think that, again, like I just said, there's players that really have been playing, that have earned spots in other positions. And, uh, you know, Ian Book is a project player to me. I mean, he, he, he's, he needs a lot of work. And then, so if we can go in the season with Jameis healthy and have Andy Dalton back to back up. And don't forget, I mean, you know, Taysom Hill 
mean, yeah, he did move to tight end, but uh, there are times that he can come in for those gadget plays. I think Ian Book is, is going to be the odd man out. He'll, you know, he'll obviously be on the practice squad and continue to develop with the team. Maybe more time will help. I'm just, I'm not as confident with him uh, as, as a lot of people trying to change their mind after seeing the game the other night. I just still feel like, you know, we've seen enough to know, you know, uh, what's going on with him. So uh, I, I feel like there's other players that are, or more beneficial for the Saints rather than keep three active quarterbacks on the roster. Let's switch over to def- defense. Who's on the bubble? Mm, wow, a lot. <laughs> so um, with cornerback, I mean, we've got, you know, obviously Lattimore, Adebo, Roby, Alante Taylor. He's a rookie. We got another rookie in Fields, Meeks. I think they're going to, I think they'll keep. Two on the practice squad is probably going to be Meeks and Gray. Um, as far as with safeties, we're really stacked at safety, considering, you know, we lost two <laughs> um, in the offseason. But uh, obviously, Tyran and Marcus May. And and with May, I mean, we still know what's going to happen with his court case. It's been delayed again until November, which is a good sign. I mean, this is something that's been lingering since February of last year. So uh, we may not even see him lose any, any games and, and be suspended because it keeps getting delayed obviously cj who you know wants a extension with his contract i don't think i mean i think we're going to see fire from him this season because he wants to stay in new orleans and get a long-term deal we've got pj um i think daniel torson is probably the odd man out and he's performed well but i think they're going to put him on the practice squad our defense this is something i say every year you know and it, it, it's rare to me because for so many years when drew was here defense was our achilles heel and we have such a strong defense and so many you know players that have really been making names for themselves it's going to be a lot of tough cuts with these guys because they've all been playing incredible and you don't want to lose anybody that you think you know could provide good depth or possibly be a starter for you one day but uh you know depth and on defense is a good thing to have i mean you see injuries all the time uh chase hansen is another one who's performed really well and i think he's he's going to be a victim of the numbers but I mean, at that position, you know, we've got all starters and great guys and you don't, you don't want to move anybody around and they just signed John Bostick. So you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to release someone like him either. Cause he's, you know, veteran who brings a lot of lot, lot to the table. So with roster cuts, it's always difficult. I don't expect any major surprises. If anybody's been watching this team over the last three weeks, um, it just, it kind of is what it is. I mean, we're set at special teams, you know, Tony, uh, I'm saying Tony Romo, sorry. Uh, uh, Parker Romo was cut and then brought back. You know, he's not going to make the, the the team. I mean, Will Lutz is 100%. He's proved that. Um, Gilligan is incredible. I mean, so much so that the the NFL popped a random drug test on him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're set with special teams. The main concerns are just those, you know, few positions, what's going to happen with Olan and running back. And, and who's going to take that third spot? And of course, wide receiver. You know, will they run in with six? Will they keep Traquan? Will they not? But um, it's always exciting, you know, with, with, with roster cuts because, you know, there's a one or two guys you see that you're pulling forward. For me personally, it's Kurt Merritt because he is a Louisiana native and, you know, he's performed so well and you want to see him, that hard work pay off. Tina, expectations nationally for this team are low. Um, I, I differ there because, and I'm not a Saints fan, but I look at a team that, played four different quarterbacks last year, had two bouts of COVID, didn't have Michael Thomas, didn't have Will Lutz, and had depth issues across the offensive line, still have a winning record and nearly make the playoffs. The roster only yeah, got I better. I 
So yeah, I think I this is a playoff team. What are your expectations heading into the season for the Saints under Dennis Allen? I agree 100%. I don't get it either. I mean, we were 9-8 and eight and almost made the playoffs last year. And, you know, Jameis Winston was, if you look at his numbers through those seven games, I mean, he was on track to be a top-five quarterback had he kept performing, obviously, you know, the way he was through those seven games throughout the, the entire season. But, I mean, we've only strengthened our defense. We haven't lost anyone major over. I mean, I, I don't know if they're they're looking at Sean Payton being the issue, like with Sean leaving and, and Dennis not having a you know good track record as being a head coach previously. But look what he did for this defense. I mean, this defense was terrible when before he stepped in, and you know we've had a consistent strong top five defense over the last couple of years. I don't know where they're getting this. To me, in my opinion, like we are you know 11, 10 win, 11 win team. Everybody stays healthy. This is the key. I said this. I wrote an article about it a couple of weeks ago. The key is staying healthy. We have got to stay healthy. We can't have the amount of injury. We started, we started a record number of starters last season in the NFL. Like you said, two bouts of COVID, a hurricane, relocation on the road for a month. I mean, just on Monday night football, you got Ian Book starting against the Miami, Miami Dolphins. And yeah, it's the Miami Dolphins, but it's Monday night football. And that, you know, the Saints were a team that dominated in primetime for so many years. So it's just, I don't, I, I, the only thing I'm thinking, and, and, you know, we talked about this on my show before, it's got to be the fact that we lost Sean Payton. That's what they've got to be looking at because, you know, Sean was like you know, our guru for so many years and then losing, you know, we lost Drew then, you know, Sean was here and then Jameis got hurt. But I mean, to me, it's like, I'm not concerned about Jameis's health. He looks great. You know, his confidence is there, which a lot of times when players are hurt, you know, they get a little shaky. He, he looks great. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. We brought in Jarvis Landry. We've got the offensive weapons. Like you said, Michael Thomas is back. We signed Chris Olave. Jameis had no weapons last year and still, you know, had the numbers he had. All we did was strengthen our wide receiver core. We went from like zero to hero, in my opinion, because we had nothing last year. Callaway was not playing, you know, to his potential. I don't know if it was because of the pressure of him having to be like, you know, the number one guy with, you know, not having anything else, but to me, this team is a playoff team, and if we can stay healthy, and that is the key going down the stretch because it's a long season. We have, you know, a later bye week. We've got some tough games on the road towards the end of the season. The beginning stretch is not really difficult. We've got three, you know, uh, divisional games, but then we have to go to, to London, which I don't – I'm not an advocate of those games at all. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's very um, – you know, struggling for the players and going over there and everything to come back. They're tired and we're not eligible for the bye week because the game's so early, but we do have a late bye week this year. So that's a good thing. But I mean, if we can get through that tough stretch with those couple of games, you know, midway to the end of the season and we stay healthy, this is a playoff team. And I think we can, we have a lot of talent on paper. We really do. I just, people, I think people just underestimate the saints just because we've had, you know, a couple of changes and we didn't bring in a big name coach, but why would we, I mean, Dennis Allen earned the job. I mean, he, he, you know, he's been here. He knows the, the players love him. They respect him. He has, you know, control over the locker room. And when you have a guy who's been here as long as he has and the players know him and trust him, that radiates onto the field. So Dennis Allen, to me, you know, hey, look, the Saints know what they're doing. They gave him the job. Give him a chance. See what happens. But I like the Saints being the underdogs. You know, when you don't carry all that weight on your back, we perform better when we're underdogs. And people don't expect much, and that's when we shock the world. And, you know, it's it's been us against the world for so many years. So, hey, you know, what's another season? Just go out there and play every game, every week, you know, stay healthy. And uh, I think we're, we're going to do really well this season. Tina, appreciate your time. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Enjoy your week.
Hey, you too. Thanks. Hey, the wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game, and you'll get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up by 7, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL. If you need more information, check out DraftKings.com slash football terms. We got to take a timeout, wrap up today's show next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for LSU and Houston Astros. Oh, the Astros have their sights set on another World Series run in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles want you to see them in person. Houston takes on Tampa Bay on Saturday, October 1st, and you can be there with our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. Simply register in the game clubhouse to score yourself four tickets, a tour at Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Love Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I want to thank our guests, Jeff Plarimo from Tiger Rag Radio, Chris Vanini from The Athletic, and Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles. Final results of the poll question of the day. With Penning's injury, should the Saints trade or sign for another offensive lineman to make sure they have the proper amount of depth for the season? 71% of you say yes, 29% say no. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day, and thanks for all who gave us a holler this morning, Reynolds and Doug. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parsh the third. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is next here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs>